Hey everybody, welcome back to the FBC Huntsville Young Adults Podcast. I'm your host, John Lemons, coming at you from Huntsville, Alabama, and I'm joined by my usual co-hosts, Ellen Christian, Tiffany Fanning, and Ethan McVeigh. It is great to have you all back. We are now into June. It is We are full thrust into summer. It is a great time to uh, be alive and to be in Huntsville, Alabama uh, in the summer of 2022. We are here. We are I mean, we're coming, it feels like we're coming out of, you know, what, what was COVID the past two years and, and really getting, getting back into what a normal routine is. I don't know about you guys. It's kind of how I feel. I'm excited for what is to come in the next couple of months. But before we look ahead, let's look back. Ellen, how was your May? Did you do anything big, anything major, anything fun? Um, I finished New Girl series, the whole thing, two audiobooks. And one regular book, one paper book. What what do we call that now? Regular book? I did that. Just a Isn't book, that awesome? Ellen. Oh, Printed a book, book, yes. Yep, a book. Yep, regular <laughs> book. Pages that you can smell. Yes. I do uh, the new book smell, by the way, is still like one mm. of the one of the best mm. book one yeah. of the best smells there is. Awesome. There needs to be a candle like that. You know? mm, maybe you're onto something. Uh, what about you, Tiffany? How was your May? Um, it was good. So let's see here. What did happen? I had like the last bit of May was rough. So Evelyn was sick one day with a random fever and she had to be out. And then um, that same week, I got an email that one of Vera Lynn's classmates had tested positive for COVID. So her classroom was shut down. And so she didn't get to go back until um, actually yesterday was her first day back. So I had a toddler home with me. Um yeah, that was basically it. I did do something funny. I'm thinking about getting another tattoo and Jacob's not really down for it. Um, so I went to Inkbox and uh, it's like an adult temporary tattoo that um, sinks into your skin and it lasts for a while. So I put it on my forearm over here. It's gone now. And um, I had it on for, I don't know, like two days and he didn't notice. And so Shelly Joe was like, that's your sign to go get your tattoo because he clearly didn't care notice. But when I showed it to him, he was uh, he was very surprised. He's like, when did you have time to go do that? And I was like, oh, yeah, I just snuck out and did it one day. Nice. Yeah, That's... I'm a horrible <laughs> wife. No. And so you, you had to homeschool for a little bit, it sounds like. Well, thank goodness she's in, uh, you know, pre- well, not even preschool. She's in daycare. So no homeschooling. She just uh, she got to hang out with her grandmother for two days. She hung out with me. And then Jacob, and then me again. So it was fine. Well, good. Sounds like a a, a good May, a typical kind of a typical month for you, but still not a bad one. Yeah. What about you, Ethan? It was a pretty good May. So uh, I mean, here at the church with the students, we finished up um, kind of our our year. You know, since all of them are out of school now, uh, and our theme for this past year was Mister Rogers and. So we talked about being good in the neighborhood, and they gave me this nice mug. If you're on uh, that is an video, awesome. you can see it. I love yeah, that one. It's so fun, and it's huge. It could hold like 20 ounces of coffee, so I'm very happy. Wow. Um, or jittery. Yeah, also. <laughs> no, uh, it takes uh, more coffee than that. <laughs> and I'm also, it's been a good month, too, because uh, my wife and I love Stranger Things, and we've been uh, waiting for these recent episodes to drop for a long time um i won't give any spoilers so don't worry 
but I just think it's been a good season. Of course, there's two more episodes that we don't get to watch till July, which I think is just rude that they have uh, kept them from us. But it was fun. We watched them uh, not all in one day, but in two days. Uh, and it was a good time. I have not watched them yet. I, you know, I was a fan of the the first season, especially the second and third season. I was kind of like, mm. I, there was a part of me that was like, I'm watching because I'm invested, but I'm not as uh, entertained, I guess, by the story as I was initially. But I'm willing to give season four a try. I've I've been watching Obi Wan. Mm-hmm the last couple of weeks and that's been fun i of course am very public with my criticism of not the star wars universe i like the universe i like the characters i think all of that's extremely well done i'm just not a fan with how they've had the story play out how they've developed the story i just feel like they could have taken more time and effort and i i guess um intentionality there with how they've told the story but for me my highlight for my may was to finally go and get to see the top gun sequel i've been waiting for this for years and for people who know me you know that my i saw the original top gun in the theater when i was six years old which is very inappropriate nobody should take a six-year-old Nice. to see that movie, that movie but i did my brother took me it was awesome it was i mean from that moment i was like that's what i'm going to do with my life all the way up until there were really two things that turned that for me one was going to a, a career day when i was in middle school and i wanted to look smart and so i you know i dressed up i wore a collared shirt which i always wore like t-shirts to middle school you know so i wore a collared shirt and i was like i'm gonna look smart i'm gonna wear my glasses and so i went up to the recruiter and i was like hey my name's john i'm gonna be a fighter pilot and the guy went you can't be a fighter pilot and i was like what and it was because i had glasses you at the time at the time you had to have 2020 vision although in in the new sequel there's actually a guy in one of the planes and he's like wearing his glasses and i was like but uh, yeah, so that was one thing. And then the other, the other thing that really kind of did me in was the first time I ever went on a church trip and I rode in the back of the 15 passenger van and I got really sick. And so, you know, if I can't handle that, I probably can't handle the cockpit of a fighter jet. But still, it's always been one of those things that like really enamored me and I've really been just uh, fascinated with, you know, jets and flying and all that kind of thing. And so when they said they were making this movie, like I was fired up about it. And of course it was supposed to come out in the summer of 2020 and it didn't. And so now it's finally, uh, it finally came out they finally released it because they wanted it to be something that was in the movies that you saw on the big screen. Tom Cruise has said he wanted to see people's actual reaction to it. He didn't want to see them, you know, behind the mask or whatever. And um, it was, it was a great movie. It was really well done. It had a lot of familiar beats to the original so if you if you know the original it sort of follows some familiar patterns to that but it also takes its own unique twists and turns at various spots as well so very much enjoyed that and then the other highlight of may for me was just the end of school just when your kids get into high school it is like an endless i used to think it was bad when they played ball and did dance and all that stuff and it was but when they're in high school 
it is they're either always going to a practice or a rehearsal or a friend's house or a study group or whatever and it's just nonstop your schedule being dictated by their schedule and how when we got to the end of the school year and activities what how dare they have friends and activities yeah seriously so that interfere with what i have to do yeah it's the worst you so, lived your whole life to dictate your own schedule and then you and emily had kids and it yes. all got shot to he double hockey sticks that They're is the, the way yes that is the way it happens also kudos to you for using he double hockey sticks that is one of my favorite expressions so but yeah no so we got to the end of the school year and it was kind of like whew, finally you know i don't have to ferry people around anymore so that was that was my may that was a fun one and a good one now as we roll into summer you know we're at first baptist in huntsville alabama we have we are known for our mosaic display it's like a 150 foot long mosaic of the Lord Jesus, it's the second coming. A lot of people don't know it's it's a depiction of that. Um, there's a lot of symbolism uh, with how it's built and and even how it's arranged and things like that. Uh, I don't have time to get into that now, but I I bring that up to say, you know, in the month of June as a church, we are celebrating, we have restored it. It was originally built in the 1960s and 70s. And no no insult, no insult meant to the original guys that put it up. But the original guys that put it up were just like some contractors from San Antonio or whatever that they were like, yeah, we can we can put up tiles. And pretty much as soon as they put them up, they started falling down. So this time we got like real mosaicists from Italy who do this for a living. And so so these tiles are not going to come down. The whole thing has now finally been restored. And it is one of the biggest things, I think, in Huntsville, Alabama, if you're not from the area, if you're from the area, you know. When I when the church was talking to me, I was in Chattanooga at the time, and a couple of times they were like, "Hey, do you know? Have you ever heard of Egg Beater Jesus?" And I was like, "No." And they were like, "They were like, yeah, it's this big deal, or whatever." And I was like, "These people are kind of weird, you know." Like I was like, "There's no way." And then when I got here, I totally, totally understood like what a big deal it was. So my question now to you is, when did you understand how much? Eggbeater Jesus, or as we call it, co Cosmic Christ. How much it meant to the community in and around Huntsville. Tiffany, I'll go. I'll go to you first. So funny story about Eggbeater Jesus, which is what I still call him. I do not call him Cosmic Christ. Just so you're wrong there. He's yeah, not well, to me that way. I like. I uh, tell people it's a term of endearment. It may have been an is, insult at yeah. first, but it's a term of endearment but now. It it had to grow on me because honestly, at first I was like, "What is this abomination on the side of this building?" I hated it. Um, and then when we were looking for a new home church, I did not want to go there. It's like, it looks so dumb. What is wrong with these people? And then um, obviously we're members. We love it. We love the community, but I'm very happy Jesus got a facelift. He needed it. Um, I think I, I first realized how important he was to like the community at large was when I started seeing those foul wow shirts yes. and stuff everywhere. I'm like, who is this person? Like doing hand drawings of egg beater Jesus and throwing it around town. And I don't even, I don't think he goes to our church even. And so I was like, that's what it hit me that it was like more than just FBC's mosaic. Yeah. That was one of the things that did it for me as well was when I saw that shirt, it was, I'd been here about a year or so. And I saw that shirt and even for him, like he has said, it surprised him. It's Jonathan Fowler, by the way, he's become a friend of mine, but he has even said, 
it surprised him just how quickly that thing went viral and that shirt became like really popular and it, it evolved into mugs and stickers and socks. Now I've got a pair of socks with, with it on there. Uh, so, so it even surprised him. But when I saw the reaction to that is when I really realized, oh, this is, this really is a big deal. And then there was one time when we did, it was when we started doing the first base, there's I think six bays or seven. And whichever it is, when we started doing the first one, we actually had a community event where we gave away the tiles and we didn't expect anything. We thought, you know, 20, 30 people would show up. And it was this huge thing that people from all over the community came and gave interviews talking about how much it meant to them. And that was kind of the other time when I was like, oh, yeah, like this is a huge deal and it really matters to this community. And it's been interesting because I've had conversations with friends at other churches and even I'm in school right now, we've had this conversation where we talk about, you know, church buildings don't matter. You, you don't emphasize your church building, blah, blah, blah. And I've said, you know, like on the contrary, our church building actually really does matter to our community. Like it, like it's one of those things where I think, God forbid, if, if First Baptist Huntsville were to stop existing as a church, like I think our building would continue to exist as something like some developer in the community would would purchase the property and, and preserve that that piece of art and and turn it into something. Um, so that's how important I think it is to this community. Ellen, what about you? When did you, because you grew up, you're the, you're the only one of us who grew up here. So when did you sort of realize the, when, and when I said grow up here, I meant like in going to church, this is your church from the time you were a baby. So yeah. when did you realize it was a big deal? Um, I don't think I ever did as a kid. Um, people would, uh, like say, like we would talk, like when I'd invite people to VBS and then sometimes I would just say the one with the big Jesus. I don't know that I ever heard it called egg beater Jesus until I got maybe into my teens. Um, and then uh, I think when I had the realization was when, this is going to sound really funny. When I was driving, I would print MapQuest directions off and um, somehow I That's got That's a sign of your age. Ellen. I know. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm very <laughs> proud that I'm. I'm very proud that I'm 34. Um, newly 34 as of as of yesterday. 24 hours, 34. Um, but I somehow in there, um, like they had egg beater Jesus or something where I saw in the map quest or something I saw in Google had egg beater Jesus um, in there as like an official name. But I look. This is how old I am. This was, um, we would pick tiles up like all my life. I've walked by the mosaic on the outside and pick tiles up. And I didn't know that that people outside of our church community would actually do that too. Um, oh, wow. I never pay attention. So I have, look, this is my lifetime collection of tiles. And it actually wasn't until um, my girls, look how pretty that green one is, um, nice. that my girls got older that we started to do that too. Um, and, uh, and then, I mean, one day we'll do something fun with them or whatever, but I just kept them because I was like, they're too pretty to like throw away, but you would, it'd be fun to find them. Um, cause right. they'd be in the bushes or they would be by the door or something like that. Um, it was an so Easter that, egg hunt all year round. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I mean, I didn't know other people did that besides me. So in a way I didn't know that other people in, in a way paid attention to that you know outside of the church but i did all when i referenced church for our church or my church i would always say the one with the big jesus or 
the one right i don't i don't even know if i said mosaic or if i said mural it's just weird like when i'm almost like not i was not aware that it was any bigger than myself or any bigger than my circle uh probably until i was in my teens or or uh, an adult so right right yeah i think that's a common sentiment i think of of people like you who probably grew up here Mm -hmm. what about you ethan because you are like me you came here from another part of well, you came from another part of the state. I came from another part of the South. But when yeah. was it? Uh, when did you first hear about it? When did you realize it was sort of a bigger deal than you might might have initially thought? Yeah, I hadn't heard of Eggbeater Jesus until I moved here, and that was back in August. So I've been here almost a year now, um, and. I mean, I knew it was a big deal within the church, like instantly, right? Um, but it wasn't till a month or two later when Caroline and I were walking around Low Mill, like our little art district in town, and we stopped in like one of the printing shops where they print different T-shirts and they print, you know, all kinds of designs. Different artists can come in and use that space. And I saw like three or four different shirts that all kind of alluded to Eggbeater Jesus in some way, whether it was a poem right. on the shirt or he was on the shirt or whatever. Um, and that was when I was like, okay, this, is, this isn't just like something that um, Pastor Travis wants to show off. Like, no, this is something that is like near and dear to the hearts of a lot of people here in Huntsville and is a real, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's part of the city now, I think, which is pretty neat. Yeah, it is pretty neat. And like I said, we're celebrating it. Uh, by the time people, I think listen to this, the celebration will be over, but hopefully we'll see them there. Uh, but it's a great, uh, it's a great part of our city and it's really important, but we're going to move on with the rest of our program here after a bit. We're going to start off in just a minute with Tiffany. All right, so we're back, Tiffany. So we're going to talk about, before we get into the specifics of what we read in the month of May, the topic for the month, um, or at least we, we had a debate over one or two topics. So we're going to start with one, and if we have enough time, we'll go to another one. But the one that Tiffany suggested was humility in the face of adversity uh, and lessons learned from that, uh, because that's something that we see in the life of David but that's something that I think that a lot of us as believers and followers of Jesus wrestling with the ins and outs of life can learn something about or learn from uh, in this particular case uh, to practice in our own lives as well. So, Tiffany, why don't you talk a little bit about that, about your thoughts there, um, perhaps insights or perhaps you know, your, your own experience of having humility in the face of adversity? Yeah, so I'm not the most humble person. I think we've uh, learned that over the course of the podcast so far. Um, I feel very aligned with Moses, with the anger, and I don't feel like that leads yourself to humility. But um, I'm working on it still in therapy. It's great. But um, I think David, while not perfect, lays out some good guidelines of um, like anytime he faced adversity, he would go back to God and talk to him. Um, the month of May was just 
very heavy on the Psalms. I mean, there are just Psalms everywhere. And it was always praise him this and praise him that. And his love is uh, enduring and it never fails. And he's there for the helpless and his people cry out and he turned to them. Um, and it just reminded me so much that I can't do for myself. And um, even if I don't get a yes answer right now from God, he still works for me and on my behalf, you know, and um, that all of that was just very humbling. Like one of the passages I read and had written down, oh gosh, now I'm not going to be able to find it. Ultimately, our help has to come from God is like my own paraphrase of Psalm 60 verse 11. Um, like God's everywhere. There's nowhere we can escape him. That's in Psalm 139. Like you can't you can go as far as the east is from the west, basically, and he's still there. So that was just, I think I had a very humbling May during my reading, just that um, David wasn't afraid to like go straight to God and talk to him about it. And he was really real with him also. He's like, why are you having all these terrible things happen to me? And it's like, well, David, you actually made some really crappy decisions in your life. Um, Could have led to it. So I thought that was a... Uh, I, don't know, I thought it was really good stuff. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And it is David's humility that is really the one thing that separates him from the other kings, a lot of the other characters in the Bible. I mean, he is called by God, a man after God's own heart. And so it's really his humility. Uh, and you, when, when we talked about this before, you even talked about his humility you know, in the in his interactions with Saul, the many opportunities he had with Saul to uh, to to go ahead and kill Saul. He, had, you know, David had already been anointed, but still had had that reverence for that uh, for that position of of the king uh, of Saul still being you know God's initial anointed king. So uh, there's a lot to do with that, with just David's real approach, David's understanding of his place in in God's created order. And I think a lot of that, his attitude there is kind of what leads to, you know, God's favor upon him, even in the face of a lot of the egregious things that David does, which I'm sure we'll talk about in just a few more moments. But Ellen, Ethan, anything to add to that on humility in the face of adversity? I always feel like humility is slow. Like you, you have to respond slowly if you're practicing humility. Um, and that's, uh, that, uh, to me was evident. So that's funny that we, that Tiffany, you kind of talked about that because I'm so, um, I don't want pain or, or like I shy away from that. And so I feel like I have a knee jerk reaction to like stop or, um, turn around or, you know what I mean? Like, it's not a, it's not a slow or methodical, you know, thought process for me. And so I feel like that's definitely something I have to practice. Um, so that's funny that you, that Tiffany, when you brought it up in May, you know, when we were talking about May, it's so fast in, in a re passage of reading that, you know, you're talking about being humble, makes you slow, be slow. Think about being slow. That's for me. Hmm. What about you, Ethan? Yeah, I, I guess like, as we've read through David's life, right. Um, there's just been so many stories of people coming after him. Um, yeah. And I don't know, that just stuck out to me this time. And 
in particular, I thought um, another story was interesting in light of all that. So, so all the time there's people coming after the throne, coming after David, um, and doing all these things, even throwing him out of Jerusalem. Um, <clears throat> but David um, looks for a descendant of Saul, um, and he wants to bless them. And so that's in 2 Samuel uh, 9. And really, it's one of the great stories. Yeah, yeah, and and remember, David had this great friendship with Jonathan, and so there is maybe some people in Israel would say there's there's still a rightful heir to the throne that's not David, and that's uh, Mephibosheth. Sorry, it's a mouthful. It's Um, hard to say, (laughs) but he is Jonathan's son. Uh, but he's also lame, so he can't walk. Um, but David decides to bless him and to bring him into like his inner circle. So Mephibosheth ends up uh, eating at the king's table for uh, for all his days until the Absalom conspiracy. And so during that time, when David is kicked out of Jerusalem, Mephibosheth isn't able to go with David. Um, and he doesn't join him. And then, like, right in the middle of that, I think this is so low down and dirty. Um, Mephibosheth's servant, Ziba, comes and he's like, hey, like, Mephibosheth has forsaken you and he's gone. So you should just give me all his blessings. And David does that. But, like, really, this guy's taking advantage of David when, you know, the kingdom is in upheaval and... Um, who knows who's going to be king and what's going to happen because of that. And Ziba's just like grabbing land and power and resources in that time. And eventually when David comes back, uh, he addresses it a little bit. Um, but I just think that's such an interesting story because, you know, there's so many times when David uh, has all these, he has these threats around him. Even some of his own sons are like threats to his throne. And, I guess my first thought would be, you know, like Saul's family and Saul's descendants would also be considered threats, but he doesn't treat them like that. And actually it's his love for Jonathan and um, his his love for the Lord, really, that leads him to, to share love with that family. Um, and so that just stuck out to me. I think it's a, a good story. Yeah, I think Tara Lee talks about, you know, we we are in the role of... Mephibosheth, and it's the King Jesus who welcomes us to his table. That's It's one of my favorite stories. When I was in seminary, there was a guy when we had preaching class who one of his sermons was sort of a character sermon where he came up to the stage as Mephibosheth, and he told that story and and you know then relate it to the gospel and how we're invited to the king's table and stuff. It was really powerful, and it's that's always been a story that stuck out to me because of that. Uh, but yeah, you, you hit a lot of the highlights there. Um, and certainly the way David lived, there are a lot of things that we can learn and glean from that and adapt into our own lives in the way, you know, what does it mean to be a person who walks with the Lord? What does it mean to be a person who's humble? At the same time, David didn't do it flawlessly. And so that's a part of his story as well that's honestly told in the scriptures. And we'll talk about that more in a, in a few moments. What I wanted to talk about this month as well was uh is America a Christian nation? And the reason why, and I wanted to talk about that. Tiffany didn't because Tiffany does not love America. That's not what you I said. I love America. That's not what you said in the <laughs> that chat. That is what you I said. said. 
you didn't, it wasn't a question. It was a statement. It was America as a Christian nation. Uh, no, that might've been a typo then an autocorrect, but is America Christian nation was, was the idea I had because a, as we record this, we're, we're in the middle between Memorial day and July 4th. And, and in just a few days, if you're reading along with us, we're going to come upon, come upon second Chronicles chapter seven, which is a very popular passage. Uh, a lot of times during patriotic celebrations and things like that, you'll see it probably a lot during the 4th of July. You'll see it a lot. We just had the National Day of Prayer back in the first part of May. You'll see it referenced uh, there. And it's the passage that says, if my people who are called by, na- by my name will turn from their wicked ways and con- uh, essentially confess their sin, then I will he- hear and I will heal. He- I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. That's a uh, mouthful to say. And it's Second Chronicles seven fourteen. A lot of times it is, it is used in a sort of prescriptive way for America that you know, hey, the reason we're having all these problems is because we've turned away from God, and so if we turn back to God, we'll stop having problems. Is kind of the idea. And I don't know about you all. I grew up in a way where I did hear a lot that America was a Christian nation, and not just that, but that we were a favored nation that like we were god's new covenant people right and there's no indication at all in the bible that is given and in in fact what's what i find really interesting is as you read there are people and other nations throughout history who have thought that for instance england in the 16 17 and 1800s really had the role sort of globally that we have now of being a global leader and if you read it's really interesting to read a lot of the things that happened you know, or, or a lot of the, the writings or or even, you know, spiritual leaders in England during the time before and during what we know of as the American Revolution, because a lot of them all had the view of England as being God's favored nation and, and the Americans were doing this evil thing and rebelling against the the order that's you know, prescribed by the Lord and this, that, and the other. And of course we look at it like a completely different way. So, so that's one thing I want to just kind of put out there that like everybody has tended to do that throughout history. Uh, every nation that has had, you know, a predominance of Christianity has, has sort of viewed themselves as, as, you know, the favored ones of the Lord. Um, even the Romans did that towards the end of um, the, the Roman empire. I want to get away from that because there's no indication in scripture that that is, that that is reality. Um, now, has God blessed America? Absolutely. God has blessed America, but it's not because America is good. It's because God is good. And uh, he's not blessed America exclusively. Uh, we are a great country. I'm proud to be an American. And that has opened up a lot of opportunities for us as Americans. If you've traveled overseas you know, I, I talk all the time about I went on a mission trip to Brazil one time, and when the people found out I was American, they they flocked to me and to the rest of the people in our group because they wanted to talk to us. They wanted to find out what America was like. They wanted to practice their English and things like that. So there are certain things that you are afforded as an American that you can leverage for the purposes of spreading the gospel, but it doesn't mean that like God has showered special favor upon America. The other thing I will say to that is reading, let's get back to Second Chronicles 7, like read that in the context of, of when it's being written and who it's being written to. It is, it is in the context of a dream that King Solomon, who, who we are now 
in our reading plan talking about King Solomon. It's a dream that he is given. And it's a dream given to him as sort of a warning for the people of of Israel. Uh, and it's a warning that the people of Israel do not heed. Because we'll see after the king after King Solomon dies, the nation splits. Israel's carried off into captivity by the Assyrians, and they become no more. They just kind of fade out of existence. And then the the nation of Judah that's left, they are carried into exile by the Babylonians. They eventually do come back and make up what becomes the rest of the the, the kind of second iteration of the nation of Israel. But I say that to say, like, in the context that it's given, it's given to Solomon. And it's recorded in Chronicles, which is written hundreds of years after Solomon has lived. So it's not even given at the time that it's written. It's not even given as a prescription of to, towards the people. It's just given as a description of what Solomon was told and that the people didn't do. And I think the reason why it's recorded in Second Chronicles is because the people at the time that it's being written are kind of facing the same things again. And so the writer of Chronicles is is recording that and describing that sort of as a warning, like, hey, y'all, like, remember this? Remember what happened after this was given to Solomon? And so, again, it's not something that we can take and we can apply to us as a as a nation to say, like, hey, here's this formula. If we just do this, then that'll happen. It's it. You just can't do that. You're being unfaithful to the intent of Scripture when when you do that so that's kind of what i'll i'll put out there about that topic we could talk a whole lot more about it but um you'll come across that in a few weeks if you're reading along with us and i just want to say like just just keep in mind that there's a context to which it is it is given a uh, context in which it is written and so when you're when you come across that don't you'll be tempted or you might July 4th will come along and you'll see someone post that with an American flag or whatever. And it's just not, it's just taking the, the, the verse itself out of the context in which it's written. So I'll offer that. If you guys have any additional thoughts to share, by all means, feel free. If not, we'll, we'll turn it over into our next uh, phase of our, of our topic for today. I always have commentary. So you do. One, you look like always. you had something to say. <laughs> I, oh, for sure. So I grew up that same way. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit younger than you, but in the church, out of the church in my family, it was always that we're the nation, the great nation. Um, and I've always struggled with that, but it was really brought to my attention in, oh gosh, I think I was in the fourth. No, I wasn't that young. Sixth grade, seventh grade, maybe uh, during uh, Hurricane Katrina. And everyone said, oh, uh, New Orleans was such a bad area. Louisiana was such a bad area, uh, just strife with sin. And that's why all these places were taken out. That's why all the levees broke. That's why there's all this flooding. And I just, that hurt my heart for people to be like, um, they weren't holy enough to be saved. And that's why God wiped them out with a natural disaster and made their lives infinitely more difficult. And people had to move multiple States. I had multiple new classmates that year because they couldn't live in Louisiana anymore. I mean, they had, they had to go somewhere. Um, so that's really, that's always been offensive to me. Uh, I do believe America's a great nation, but I think we have a lot of with great power comes great responsibility. Thanks uncle Ben from Spider-Man. And we don't nice. do enough with it. Um, like build a longer table, not a higher fence. Um, let's, if, if we are the new chosen country, then why don't we act like it? Cause we know God is bountiful and provides. Then why aren't we 
just giving and helping more people, which people would say I have a bleeding heart and we can't do that. But also I've been tithing my 10% since I've had a job in high school or whatever, and it's never been a burden to me. And I've always gotten back more than what I've given. So I just know that that should be the reason why you tithe so that you get more. But, um, if we are the blessed nation, like Israel was called to be the blessed nation, they were going to bless those who blessed them. So it's all circular and cyclical. Um, you bless those, they're good to you. They bless them back. So I just, I've always taken issue with that. You better be careful now because you sound like you're preaching. But Sorry. I think, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm teasing. I didn't take I'm a teasing. preaching I'm, class. I'm teasing. No, you, you sound, you're sounding good. I, so, yes, you are spot on with interpretations of things like what happened in New Orleans or people will say it was school shootings and things like that. I'll talk more about that when we get into prophecy. But I will say, too, if nothing else, what we have just read, you know, I've, I've talked this whole time about, you know, the kind of question that we're being presented by the Bible is how do we get the garden back? And, you know, we get into, you know, the law being given, the people being rescued from Israel or from, from Egypt, uh, the law being given, the tabernacle, tabernacle being established, the promised land being promised. And they get there and then, you know, judges is this absolute disaster, which turns our hope towards a king. And then we see we've just read about the life of King David. For all his good, he did some really bad stuff too, and we're now in this predicament where the the country we've just read a couple days ago, where where you know David kind of issues the same thing that we read at the end of Deuteronomy that Moses gives to the people. David gives to Solomon like, "Hey, follow the Lord, or else like you know bad bad stuff's going to happen," kind of thing. And we see like you know for all of the hope that we've placed in the king, like that's not the answer. And I think if nothing else, when you read the Old Testament. We should arrive at the point where we can see like, hey, placing our hope in earthly leaders, placing our hope in earthly nations isn't the answer. And so that's the other problem when when we place so much focus and hope in that, like, by all means, love your country, serve your country, but don't place your hope in your country because the scriptures have shown us over and over and over that's not going to deliver. And history has shown us over and over and over that's not going to deliver. And and so the, where the scriptures are now leading us is where to place our hope. And that is in a coming promised king that we'll get to in a few months. But right now, I think the lesson should be like, let's not place our hope in earthly kings or earthly nations. And if you don't pick that up by this point in the scriptures, then then I think you're kind of missing one of the major points of the scriptures. So... I'll leave it at that. We can talk about that more in a future episode, but we got to dive into the rest of what our topic was this month. So, All right, Ellen, I'm going to turn it over to you. Insights from you on our readings for this month. That would be... First, second Samuel, first Chronicles, Psalms. What do you have to share with us? Okay. So my theme keeps coming back of being uncomfortable. Yes. And so what jumped out to me, because that seems to be on the forefront of my mind is where does the Bible make me uncomfortable and what are, and what in our reading is making me uncomfortable. And so, uh, David moving the ark, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Chronicles 13, 16, where, you know, Uzzah dies right. um, on, 
on reading that first, I read it and I was like, there you go, God, I don't like this. And right. she, it, it terribly even points it out in the, in hers. Like she makes it, she even has a little blurb about it and then has a, even a separate, um, deep dive into it, which I dived in cause I needed to figure this out. This is something I needed to dive into. So, um, she said that he, that David, uh, consulted a lot of folks and that he also consulted God. I don't, unless he says like, let it be of the Lord. If, is that David asking God? Like to me, I read it as he didn't consult God. There, uh, I, that was kind of confusing to me whether he actually consulted God or not. I don't. Yeah, I feel like well, I don't. Didn't. I don't have it right in front of me to to look and see. I will say that has also been a struggle of Emily Lemons's, my wife, uh, and she she you know similar to you. I think you know she. We were talking about it one time. She said the first time she ever read it, she was really uncomfortable. Like, what the heck is that about? The guy was trying to save the ark from from falling. But uh, she also pointed out from something she had read, she was like, you know, th there were prescriptions for how to carry the ark. Yeah. And David was not following those. And right. so a dude, an innocent dude dies because of David's negligence. And that's that's really what it's, what it's about. And obviously the... the the ark represents the holiness of God, which is unapproachable for us. And so is, so there's a lot of the symbolism of that caught up in it as well. Well, it says he consulted uh, a lot of folks like leaders and people who were over lots of, uh, I guess, army, you know, his, the army, like lots of tens of thousands of people or so. so how did that, how did that really important piece of how to carry the ark get through all those people that he consulted? To me, that's one. So obviously, you know, you don't send in a vacuum. Terry Lee has said that before. Um, right. And so, um, but she said like he was excited. He, so to me, like, did he get too excited? Was he just checking boxes? Like how often have I just checked boxes in my life to say that I did things? You know, which I'll be honest. A, I'm behind in my reading. B, June and July reading in the reading plan for me is dry. Like, Sahara Desert Dry. And so my reaction is to pull back. Like, all right, I'm done. I don't need this Bible reading anymore. I'm good. I'll figure it out later. Or like, I'll begrudgingly check through it. So like, did David begrudgingly check through all these people? And were they just kind of like, oh yeah. Or, oh yeah, David's got it. Like, where where is his accountability? Where did his accountability come from? So where do you stand in accountability to people? Like, I, I hope that people would help me stay accountable to myself, not just lean on our friendship to say, oh, well, you know, she's good. She reads the Bible. Don't worry. I'm, yeah, sure. You're good, babe. Go. Like, where, where does that, you know, where do you? Um, he clearly didn't ask the right people because the Kohathites yeah. are the ones who carried and moved everything. They should have known clearly. he was supposed to go on poles. He didn't ask far enough down in the Levites. He asked he, the upper echelons who aren't in the details. They don't know. You can't ask the main, you can't ask the president what's going on in another state. He has no idea. True. Got to ask the, the peons. <laughs> well said, Tiffany. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, I want to make a note. Peons. Yes. Yes. Star that. But in, in anyway, in one of the, the resources that I read, it was, um, 
the more we try to bring God down to our worldly way of thinking or reasoning, the further away he will seem to us. And so that kind of stuck out to me as, you know, when we're talking about God, where do we, where do we draw our line as to how relatable or down to earth or, you know, his reverence, like, where do we stop? Cause I do feel like in our nation, if we want to say, if we're a Christian nation, I think sometimes we try to bend God too much to fit our agenda and I'm guilty of it too. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying I'm, I'm perfect, but where, where do we, where do we hold people accountable in, you know, you could say in your views, like how, how does that mesh up? And I, and I feel like we can all be together on that, but there comes a time where we have to say certain things are wrong. Yeah. And I have to be able to have that opinion and you can't, you can't yell at me for having a different opinion than you. I don't know that whole, this, that was very, I'm still wrestling with that. Um, and Uza's death and, and I get it. Like I get it, but I'm, I'm going to have to roll around in it. Yeah. You're, you're asking, you're making me very uncomfortable. Ellen. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. no, I, so one of my things that I highlighted came from, the aftermath of that story as well. So th- as a result of that, I love in second Samuel six, this is just funny to me. So Uzzah dies from touching the ark. So then David goes to this guy named Obed Edom and is like, Hey, I need you to keep the ark in your house for a couple of months, but oh, yeah. you know, don't look at it wrong. Cause it'll probably kill you, but just keep it, just keep it here in your house. For, <laughs> like to me, that is just so like, Hats off to Obed Edom because I would have been like, no, nah, bro, like serious. But anyway, so yeah, there's a lot there and it's definitely a puzzling passage. I'll talk more about David's negligence when we get to my points because I think that's a part of that's one of his character flaws. But let's turn it over now to Ethan. Ethan, insights you have from First Second Chronicles or First Second Samuel, Chronicles and Psalm. Yeah. Um, so. I think reading first and second Samuel, especially, but some of Chronicles as well, um, we get this great picture of David and um, yeah, it's a picture of his good leadership, but it's also a picture of uh, things he does wrong. And of course, like I feel like anytime you talk about David and sin, you have to talk about Bathsheba. Um, And it's a, like the story of David, Bathsheba, and Uriah is one that like I grew up hearing about and knowing some about. It was something that was preached on and everything. But some of the surrounding context, I feel like, uh, is often left out. And so that's, again, just another great reason for us to be reading through the whole Bible is to uh, to hit these parts that uh, make us uncomfortable, like you said, Ellen. And uh, so some of the things that stuck out to me, right, is first of all, David should have been off at war. It's very clear about that. Like both Samuel and Chronicles hit this. They're like, in the time of the year when the kings go out to war, David was in the palace. And it's like, great, good good job as a king there, David. Um, and and then uh, he sees Bathsheba. He, you know, defiles her. He, I mean, I think practically rapes her. Um, 
and he's abusing his authority and his power. Um, and it's this terrible time. And then he doesn't confess his sin, right? He tries to hide it. And that's what eventually gets Uriah killed. Um, is he, he goes through months and months, uh, maybe even a year or two of trying to hide his sin, right? Because he gets Uriah killed. Uh, and then he still tries to hide his sin after that. And it takes the Lord uh, telling a prophet and sending that prophet to David in the throne room and confronting him face to face and saying, look, like I know about this. Which is a life or death matter for Nathan, too. Right. right. Um, and David, at that point, finally admits his sin and his guilt uh, and starts to confess Um and one of the things that makes me uncomfortable about this story is, like, if you continue reading, you see that uh, the child that David and Bathsheba have, like, their firstborn is is killed, um, presumably by the Lord, um, as, yeah, as a consequence of what David has done. And that makes me super uncomfortable. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't have perfect answers for that, uh, but I do think... In, in some ways, like it, we can start to look forward to the New Testament and, and think of um, Jesus, the true firstborn of all creation, who dies a death that he doesn't deserve. Uh, and his death is one that uh, takes our place and covers our sins. Uh, and so I do think that um, even though that's a hard situation, there's glimpses of hope uh, there. And in the uncomfortable and uneasy passages. Um, also, I did a deep dive into a few of the Psalms um, over the past month. And so we often talk about Psalm 51 as a follow-up to the David and Bathsheba story. And that's great. I think you should notice we also read Psalm 32 on that same day. Psalm 32 has traditionally been read as the follow-up to Psalm 51. Hmm. And so in Psalm 32, David's talking about I hid my sin from the Lord and it, it hurt me internally. It hurt me externally. I felt guilty. I felt shame. Uh, it did all these terrible things. But then when I finally admitted my shame to my shame and my guilt and my sin to the Lord, and I uncovered all these things before him and I, I finally committed to not hide any longer. That's when I felt forgiveness. I felt the effects of my sin disappear. Um, I think it's a really beautiful Psalm. Again, that's Psalm 32. And um, I enjoyed it even more this time around. So it was good. Excellent point. And I think, too, on your note about the death of the child of David David and Bathsheba's firstborn, I th- you know, I thought Tara Lee actually did a really good job talking about that in as little amount of time as, as she has. You know, if you notice, you know, when, when Nathan comes to David and gives him the parable about the man who steals the sheep, David says he needs to pay back four times uh you know so he david pronounces this judgment which he is unwittingly pronouncing upon himself and she points out how there are four consequences uh to david's sin and and to his hiding the sin from the lord his lying about the sin and that sort of thing and so it's really the 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 death of the child is the fourth part of that and so it's really it comes out of in her view, out of David's own pronouncement of what the punishment should be, which I find interesting because I, I I see parallels to that to even the New Testament, where several places it talks about this, but 
particularly in the Sermon on the Mountain, Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, do not judge, uh, for in the way that you judge, will you be judged, basically. So like the, the, the standard of measurement that you use in judging others will be turned back around to you. And so if you're unmerciful to others, you're going to be uh, met with without mercy. Uh, so that's kind of the, the central teaching. The way you forgive is the way that you will be forgiven of the New Testament. So it seems to, to sort of at least parallel that a little bit. Uh, you know, and We'll find that later when we get into the New Testament, the words of Jesus and things like that. But let me turn it over now to Tiffany, your thoughts, insights, and things like that from First, Second Samuel, Chronicles, and Psalms. So um, I'll keep it brief. But to piggyback off of what Ethan has said and then what you've said, and also, Ellen, no sin happens within a vacuum. I don't remember because I didn't take a note on it because I did have to swap to audio. And the NET version doesn't have audio yet on you version. So I had to go back to the NIV. And then you lose your highlights when you swap versions. You version, you need to work on that. But nice. um, David, you know, with his sin was I don't know if it was the same vision that Nathan had or if it was later down the line because I didn't write it down. God offers him like three options, which is very parental to me because I tell my kids, I'm like, you have A, B, or C option. There, there are no other options. You can do these. And that's basically what God gave to David. You can have a famine. You can, I think it was war was maybe the other, or uh, you can have a plague for like three days. In the span of time, it was like, a famine for seven years or war for four or a plague for two or three days or whatever. And he chose to rip off the bandaid and have mm-hmm. the worst one for the shortest amount of time. And still thousands of people died, you know, in that uh, account. Mm-hmm. So just being humility and humbleness, um, again, like his one decision, it's like dropping a pebble into um, a still pond, you know, the ripple effect or the butterfly effect if you want to get into movies, you know. One little thing just has this big, huge downfall for other people. So everything you do has a consequence. Um, yeah, so take it take it back to God. Get good with him. Uh, don't do rash things. But that's, a, that's an interesting point when you say it like that because, you know, I always say the book is better. But you can see their narrative. It's like you can feel their narrative in the Psalms. You know what I mean? Like you can feel their interpersonal stuff. So I feel like you you feel their heart. You feel their change. You feel their, you know what I mean? Like you can feel that easier in the book. Or we can feel that easier because we know the outcome of all this with David's life. So it's easier for me to say some of this stuff knowing that I know the outcome. True. With David. I, if yeah. you presented this thing, if you presented David's case in a 22 uh, year, tw- 2022 fashion, I want to be hard pressed to be like, yeah, he changed. You know, yeah. you know what I mean? Like there's that judgment calls out. It, it's a hard, I don't know. David's hard. Like I get it. And maybe I'm not there yet. I have not fallen in love with, David as a leader, as a warrior, as a person, mostly, I don't know, maybe because I am a woman and I'm the, the stain of rape is so still strong with me because I, it was not 
really and truly presented that way, I feel like until I heard Tara Lee, because when I heard Tara Lee talk about it the first year, I was like, I was so taken aback that I was like, oh my gosh, this is weird. This is, uh, I don't know. How dare you say that about David? That's, if you want to, if you want to battle with the trolls on Twitter, say that David raped Bathsheba. Well, there you go. There you go. Because I, you know, it was weird to me because I'd always heard David in such a positive light that that was like almost really, I felt like the first negative light that I ever heard him in besides, oh, well, yeah, he didn't listen. I got, well, who hasn't, you know what right. I mean? Not, you know, if we're rating sin on a, on a scale, which I feel like we all do, whether we admit it or not. So I don't know. We do. Well, and the fact of the matter is David, as humble as he was, man after God's own heart, he would not qualify as a deacon in most churches. There you go. Like, I mean, that's how egregious some of the things he did was, you know, for me, I'll try to be really brief too. Like, like Tiffany said, you know, I think for, for a lot of people, there are some that question the historicity of, of David. Um, and so, I mean, it's hard to get into that kind of thing and especially to do it in two minutes. But I think the very presence of the story of Bathsheba is an indication that he was a real dude. Cause there's just no reason to have that story in there and to tell that story if he's not. So that's just a brief thing I'll say there. You know, getting into, you know, what you guys have alluded to, there have been some throughout history that have blamed Bathsheba and said that she tried to seduce the king. She had no reason to believe that he was, you know, out on on top of the the palace at that time. She was doing what she was obligated to do by, by the law. And the Bible never lays the blame on her. Psalm 51 is not about her. Psalm 32, as Ethan said, is not about her. So the Bible very squarely lays the blame on on david and we can't miss that and yes as as we talked about like tara lee says it was rape and you know it was at least at the very least rape in the sense that she really couldn't say no i mean the way david handles it after this like how just kind of ruthless he is about it like kind of shows you she really didn't have an option in this in this uh predicament that she was in uh, one thing I'll point out is some people have a problem with Second Samuel chapter twelve, uh, verse eight, which where David says, or where God says through the prophet Nathan to David, "Hey, like I've given you all these things. I've given you kingdoms. I've given you, um, I've given you success. I've given you wives. And and if that was not enough, I've, I would have given you more." And there's there's a few, uh, you know, if you do some reading, some people say, "Well, this is you know problematic that that." God says, hey, I would have given you more wives. Um, but the bigger problem with that, you got to open your scope a little bit with that and see the bigger problem is that is precisely what, what David has done, that he's broken. In this case, he's broken at least five of the Ten Commandments. He's coveted what wasn't his. He's stolen her. He's committed adultery, which is not having multiple wives, but sleeping with another man's wife. Uh, he's now killed and he's also lied about it. So the I think the intent of verse eight is captured in verse nine. Uh, where where God presents to him, why do you despise the word of the Lord? And in, in other words, like you've done, you, like you've broken five of the Ten Commandments as a result of this. Like, why would you do that? And I think that's kind of the what what more is being gotten at uh, when when God says, "Hey, I would have I would have given you more. Like you didn't have to go this far in doing this, you know." And then talking about the child, I mentioned that earlier. That's that's sort of a issue that people have with that story. I think the other bizarre thing i think that comes up in second samuel and first chronicles is the census and tiffany you talked about it about that a little bit the uh 
discrepancy over who commanded it. You know, Second Samuel says God, First Chronicles says so Satan did it. And the discrepancy probably can be traced to a few things. One, it's possible that God allowed it and it was attributed to God uh, in Second Samuel in the same way that, you know, we'll say a tornado or Katrina was an act of God. Uh, in other words, we don't know for sure, you know, that God did it, but we'll just kind of say, you know, hey, it was an act of God. So it's possible that God just allowed it, that it was Satan that really did it, but it was attributed to God in Second Samuel. Or Another way to look. What? Yeah, yeah. Job. Job's very or much like the same Job, way. If you want to put it back? Absolutely, absolutely. Same, same kind of way to look at it is, you know, it, it's not God that's the acting agent, but he he allows it to happen. Another way to look at it would be to understand that there's hundreds of years of time between the writing of Second Samuel and the writing of First Chronicles, and perhaps a better theology and understanding of Satan had developed in that time that is reflected in the writing of the, the chronicler. Again, we don't know for sure, but those are just theories. Um, I want to get more into like, what's so bad about a census and why, why does that tick God off? It's really because it seems to spring out of David's pride and wanting to take stock of what he has before he goes off into battle, which would seem to indicate David's trust in numbers and kind of might and power rather than trust in the Lord. And we talked about David's negligence in Exodus 30. There are like provisions that are given for census taking and that the people counted in the census are supposed to make a certain offering and they don't seem to have done this. And, uh, and it actually even says in Exodus 30, like you do this to prevent a plague from occurring. And so David doesn't follow those. So it's, it's David's own negligence that, that leads to, you know, what it is that happens. Um, and then further, I think the, the existence of that story illustrates for me the provision and the preservation of scripture it would have been very easy for the earliest scribes to change this detail even in samuel to to change you know that god caused it to satan causing it they i mean they weren't idiots they would have noticed the discrepancy between second samuel and first chronicles but they didn't change it and it's the same with a lot of the details that are given to us in chronicles whether it's the lineages or the roles in the temple the stuff that you know we read and we're a lot, we're rolling our eyes at the details are a lot, but their recording and their preservation, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's true, but it does mean that the writers that, that wrote this down for us and the people that preserved it at least thought that it was true. Uh, there's no reason to record it, and there's no reason to preserve it if, if otherwise. And so I say that just to say, you know, there are people that are like, oh, the Bible was all about like people gaining power and this, that, and the other. The people really believe this, and they really believed it was true. So you, I don't think you could really question their motives in writing it and, and preserving it. And I think we see that in, in the telling of stories like this and in the giving of details like we find sometimes even in Chronicles. The last thing I'll, I'll say is Psalm 106, verse 6. We read that during this past month, and to me, it captures what reading the Bible is about. It says, uh, like our ancestors, we have sinned, we have done wrong, we have acted wicked wickedly and and to me like this should be our conclusion as i said earlier about reading about the foibles of of looking to uh, earthly rulers and earthly nations like our conclusion from reading these stories and from reading the old testament should be like we're not going to get this straight and we need god to straighten it out for us and, and to me that's really ca captured really well in psalm 106 verse 6 so that's my thoughts and insights on this um this passage and so we're gonna uh close out the show talk about next month here in just a moment and uh, wrap everything up here in just a few minutes 
All right. So as we wrap up this episode, I'm going to um, just say, you know, with vacations and coming up, like we will not have a July episode. So Ellen talked about June and July being really hard. We're going to get into the profits. Hang in there. Stick with it. Uh, The profits are some of my favorite reading in the Bible because a lot of it feels very contemporary still. But I will say if you're reading along in the Net Bible or in the NIV or ESV or NASB, like a more kind of literal translation, I find the prophets helpful to read in something like the New Living Translation or the Message uh, because there's just so much about how how they say things poetically that doesn't translate very well. And I think it's captured better and paraphrases more than literal, literal translations. So if you're reading along with us, that's my bit of advice for when you hit the prophets in just a few uh, weeks and months. Um, any thoughts you guys have on that? Listen, just listen and catch up. Yeah. Do what you have to do. I mean, if you're, if you're behind, I was behind. And so over Memorial Day weekend, I was doing some work in the yard and I was just, I just had my Bible on listen and you know, it would, after every day's reading, it would stop and I would actually jot some notes down and then I would hit play and I would go do my work and listen. And that's the way people interacted with the Bible for thousands of years. It's totally cool to do that. Absolutely do that. Um, as we, as we're wrapping up, Ellen, you are our, Q&A scribe, do we have any Q&A from, from this month from any of our, our loyal listeners or participants? Uh, no, other than, um, are we going to talk about the ghost thing right now? Yeah, so Tiffany's ghosts. <laughs> I talked about, you know, Tiffany said, are ghosts real? And asked me, and I was like, I don't know. I still don't know. Uh, but I will say, so, we, so this is coming out of uh, what we read in the month of April, you know, King Saul consulting the witch of Endor and the ghost of, or the apparition of Samuel appearing. So I'll just say on that. um, So there's a, my philosophy is like not really sharp right now, but there's a, there's sort of an idea in philosophy. And I don't remember if it's an ontology or epistemology or whatever, but it's the idea that like, if if you can conceive of something, then that there then there is a real object that that exists of that of that conception that you have, right? So like if you can conceive of God, then that's sort of proof or evidence that God exists because you wouldn't conceive of God if God didn't exist. And so there's certainly an understanding of ghosts. We have even in the New Testament a couple of times where the disciples see Jesus and they think he's a ghost. So there's certainly an understanding of ghosts or apparitions or whatever you want to call it, even at this time in the Bible. Um, so it, it does that mean they're real? I don't I don't really know because you can't really carry that idea further because you get into I mean, we can conceive of aliens. We can conceive of zombies. There's not a lot of evidence that those really exist. But as far as an understanding, say, John? For, yeah, say? I don't know. It's it's hard. <laughs> But as far as, you know, um, that particular passage, what what it does mean, I did do a little bit of reading and it seems to to kind of run the spectrum of how people interpret that. Um, Some people think for Samuel that that he appeared and it was like an actual resurrected body in the same sense of uh, Jesus. Some people, some scholars think that 
Samuel appeared and it was more like what we would think of as a, as a ghost. Um, some people think it was kind of like how Moses appeared at the transfiguration. Um, a lot of common thoughts today are that the, the apparition of Samuel was um, sent by God actually. So it's just hard to say. We don't really know for sure. Um, but do he ghosts exist? He was seen. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. So <laughs> does that mean ghosts exist? I would I say think that probably people can come visit you. That's what I think. Yeah. So what I would say to that is there was no doubt to those that were there, like who it was, what he said, those sorts of things. Now, when you watch Ghost Hunters on TV at home, and they have these little devices that like beep and boop, and they're like, "Oh, we think the spirit's trying to tell us that." I don't think that's, I mean, no, because it's at least in the scripture when, when they, when they have this visitation from Samuel, it's pretty clear like who it is and what he's saying. And most people don't have that kind of an encounter with the supernatural. Now, again, we talked about last time demons and spiritual forces. Absolutely. The Bible does teach that those are real and could our understanding of what we think ghosts are be, be mistaken. Uh, and really be spiritual forces, I think absolutely, and I think the Bible leaves a lot of room for that. But that's my so, thought. Not really a good answer, but... Well, when we get to heaven, you know, at one time, First Baptist had this class called, like, New Christian Class, when, at the time when we had a ton of people, a ton of kids, and, and like, several of us would get uh, baptized at one time. You would go into this, like, New Christian Class, I really hope we have one of these classes in heaven that's like, welcome to heaven. Here are some things that we're going to explain that will make sense that you were confused about on earth, but they will make sense now in heaven. Like, nice. That, that's that's my welcome into heaven. Heaven one-on-one. -on -one. Yes. Like, I, I really want one of those. Nice. So, that's, uh, so that I could elbow people and be like, see, I told you. You don't think you would. Uh, Ellen gets kicked out. You You don't think you would just know that? Once you get there. Oh, gosh, John, that could be a whole new podcast. Oh, it could be. It could be. Well, that that's like if you're still going to be married in heaven, too. You know, there was that. Don't thing tell that me I'm not going around. to be. I know there's a few of that. There, I have a book because I got so afraid that some. Anyway, go ahead. Mormons go ahead. don't think in, you will. In this podcast. Not to yeah, no, my we're... aunt told my aunt told my grandmother, like, it's not going to matter later um, that Jim died before you because. um you're not going to know you're married in heaven anyways. And not the right thing to say to a no. grieving widow. I'm a little no. salty about it. Yeah. Well, to my knowledge, that is that is it, it for us <laughs> for this month. We are, we are all going to take a well-deserved summer break. And we'll come back. We'll be in the group chat if you are a part of that. You are still welcome to join that. We had someone join us just a few weeks ago and become a part of our group. So I'll post a link to that in the show notes. You are more than welcome to jump in with us, to join along, jump in the reading plan. It's, it's totally cool. If you did not get started with us and you're just now discovering this podcast and what we're doing, it's reading half the Bible is better than reading none of the Bible. So jump in with us, listen to some of our previous podcasts. Summer's a great time as you're traveling, going to the beach or whatever, put a slew of podcasts on and listen to them as you drive. It really makes a drive go by faster and quicker. So 
do all that uh, and then, you know, ask any questions if you have any for us. And I'm I'm going to say it's it's summer break. So, guys, thank you so much for being with us. Ooh. Thank you, our listener, for listening along. We ask that you like, that you share, that you comment. Tell us that you're listening. Let us know your questions, things like that. But totally give us a like or a share or something like that. Whatever platform you're listening to this on, whether it's YouTube or podcasts or Spotify or whatever, let us know you're there and uh, and subscribe so that you don't miss future episodes. With all that said, I am going to sign off for Ethan, for Tiffany, for Ellen. Thank you all so much for being a part of this with us. And we'll look forward to joining with you again in August as we wrap up the end of uh, Chronicles, the fall of the kingdom, the the age of the prophets and all that stuff and look forward to the coming of the promised one the messiah who is the hope for us all until then y'all take care be safe and we'll see you on the other side